1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 13. Amen. Anybody that's joining us online tonight, I welcome you. Glad that you're able to be a part of the service too. Amen. Paul, of course, is writing to the church at Thessalonica. He says, beginning in chapter 4, verse 13, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Praise the Lord. What a great hope we have today. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. We are continuing a series tonight, as you know, about the signs of the times. And we've already talked a little bit about the meaning of prophecy, what prophecy is all about. We've talked about actual signs last week, some specific signs that tell us and indicate to us that the coming of the Lord is drawing close to us. And so tonight, we're going to shift our focus a little bit, and we're going to talk about the next great event for the church. You know what that is? It's the rapture. It's the coming of the Lord. That's what we call it sometimes, but we're going to talk about the rapture for a few minutes here. And when the Lord was fixing to ascend to heaven, when he was here on this earth, and he, is, he had completed his, his mission, if you will, here on the earth, and he was fixing to ascend to heaven, the consolation he gave to his disciples, he said, don't worry, I'm going to come back. He gave them the promise, I will come again. He said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And the Lord's coming back, isn't he? And you know what? <laughs> We're one day closer. Just let that sink in for a minute. We are one day closer to the coming of the Lord. It won't be long. The Lord says, I'm coming back. And this, is, this has been the great hope of every believer, of every child of God from, from the very beginning when the Lord said, I'm coming back, until today. That's the great hope that we have today. And so we're going to talk about the rapture or the, the, the catching away of the church. And the, the English word rapture, we use that word a lot, but the word rapture doesn't, it's not, actually it's not even in our, in our, in our King James Bible, King James Version of the Bible, but it comes from the, uh, the Latin translation of the Bible. Years ago, somebody translated the, the Bible into Latin, and they used this word rapio, R-A-P-I-O, in this verse 16 here where we read, or excuse me, verse 17 that we read, where it says, caught up. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up. So when they translated it into Latin, they used the word rapio, which we get our word rapture. The word rapture means to seize. It means to snatch, to snatch up. It means to, to catch away. And uh, that word, it, it carries with it, 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 it means 
uh, to seize or snatch in relation to an ecstasy of spirit. Now listen to this. Or the actual remover, removal from one place to another. To seize from one place and to take them to another. Praise the Lord. Brother Wallace, if you don't mind, there's some papers there on the front on the, on the front uh, pew there. Anybody wants one, you can have one. It's just a little chart. And, and uh, Carla, if you'll put that next little graphic on the screen, if you want... On one side of this page that Brother Wallace is handing out, there is a list of scriptures from, I think, 22 books of the New Testament. Um, there's 27 books in the New Testament, but I found a scripture in 22 of the books that refer to the rapture or the coming of the Lord. And I just compiled the list for you to have if you want them. On the other side is this chart, which I know it's not real clear or visible on the screen, but it is a timeline of the events of from the beginning to eternity. And if you, if you, some of you may be familiar with this chart, but it starts with 4,000 years of Old Testament. At the closing out of the Old Testament, Jesus was here on this earth for about 33 years. He died on the cross. When he died and ascended to heaven, it began the church age. Um, obviously this this little chart here, this little diagram is not to scale, but uh, it began the church age. We're a part of that section on your little chart there that says church age. It's been going on for about 2,000 years now. Amen. I'm thankful to be in the church today. I'm thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so at the end of the church age, if you notice that, that chart there, there's an upward arrow and it says rapture. That's what we're talking about tonight. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're anticipating. When the church leaves the world. And at the end, after the church leaves, there's going to be a period that the Bible calls the tribulation, the great tribulation, which, which many people believe is a seven-year period. And then Armageddon, that's when the Lord comes back with the church. And um, they refer to the war of Armageddon. Or the, uh, and then there's a thousand years of peace, the millennium. And then white throne judgment in eternity. But we're not, we, can, we don't have time tonight to talk about everything on this chart. But I do want to talk about this, this one upward arrow. The catching away. The rapture of the church. We're anticipating that tonight. We are anticipating the moment when we as the children of God. When we are seized up. And we are captured away. We are taken out of this world. We are taken from one place to another. Amen. The Greek word for caught up here that we read in verse 17, somebody say caught up. The Greek word for caught up carries the meaning, number one, the idea, now catch this, a robbery. Thieves breaking in and stealing something. This word caught up means robbery, where a thief would come in and and literally take something. And it also carries the idea of something violent. Something that is sudden, almost catastrophic, taken by force. So the word caught up in the the original Greek suggests a robbery. Now this seems strange when you're talking about the Lord and the coming of the Lord. But it suggests a robbery and something taken by force. That's according to Bible.org. A robbery and something taken by force. And so this is descriptive of the rapture, of the coming of the Lord. The Lord's coming suddenly. By force, he's going to come and he's going to snatch his church out of the world, seize them, 
And so we're excited tonight. I'm excited. And the church ought to be excited. Because number one, we're going to be transformed. At this event that we're talking about tonight, the church is going to be transformed. And our humanity is going to take on immortality. It's going to be a change in us. Number two, there will be no more death, no more sorrow. That's going to happen at that moment. Up until that time, people are going to continue to die. People are going to live and die, live and die. But at that moment, no more death, no more sorrow. Thirdly, at that point, this is the exciting part, is that we are going to enter into the presence of the Lord. We do not know the Lord after the flesh. We know Him through the Spirit. We know Him after the Spirit, through the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you know the Lord, it's because you have the Holy Ghost and you walk with Him. We do not know Him face to face. But think about it. When that time comes, we're going to see Him. I don't know. I wonder what the Lord looks like. I wonder what Jesus looks like. I don't think He looks like any of the paintings that the Mormons or the Catholics have put together. I don't think Jesus looks like that. I have nothing against them. But I wonder what Jesus looks like. We are going to be in His presence. Amen. So we have hope. It's a blessed hope. It is the hope of the church. Have you ever thought about or have you ever wondered what happens to our spirit or our soul when a person dies? We know when a person dies, we put their body, in most cases we put their body in the ground. Sometimes people are cremated, but we put their body in the ground. But we have a soul and we have a spirit. Have you ever thought about where does that go? What, what happens when that takes place? Is, is there a bunch of other souls together? I mean, we, and if you read through Scripture, we have bits and pieces about what this is all about. Uh, but we don't have a clear image and we don't have a clear understanding about our spirit and our soul. It goes back to God, but, but where, what's all that taking place? Where, what all is happening there? You know, we read about Jesus told the story of Lazarus and the rich man, and we get a little bit of a glimpse of what happened there. But I, still I wonder, what's that going to be like? And we have a, a few ideas, and, and people try to put together thoughts and try to uh, come up with some, some clearer pictures. But, but we, re, we read here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and this is what Paul said. I want you to look at this verse with me again if you have your Bible open. He said in verse 13, he said, But I would not have you to be Ignorant brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep, which means those people that have died. And we don't know all of the conditions, and we don't know all of the details about about people that have died. But Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep. And even though we don't know all the details, what Paul is telling us here is this is what I want you to know. Paul has said, when it comes to people that have died, this is what you need to know. He said, the people that are dead in Christ and the people that are alive when the Lord comes back, the dead and the alive are going to join together and they're going to meet the Lord in the air. That's what Paul said. This is what I want you to know about. Is that, that not about whether or not dead people are conscious and whether or not they know everything that's going on. You know, a lot of people try to surmise, well, 
when when great great grandma died, she's now looking down upon us. I don't know if I can't find that in the Bible where where loved ones are looking down upon us. I don't find in the Bible where and I'm not trying to criticize anybody's theology or anything, but I don't find in the Bible where our loved ones that die become our guardian angel. I don't find that in the scripture. I, I can't find all that. But Paul said, you need to know this, that those that are dead in Christ and those that are alive in Christ, when the Lord comes back, they're going to come out of the grave. These people are going to come off the earth, earth and they're going to meet the Lord in the air. That's what we need to know, he said, that we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And so we have a, a blessed hope. Titus 2.13 says, we are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is a blessed hope. This is the hope that rests in us. This is the hope we have. And this hope would not exist if Jesus did not rise from the dead. If Jesus did not come out of the grave, our hope right here, would be Neil and Void. It would not be there. Noel and Void. It would just not exist. But because the fact that when Jesus died at Calvary and they put him in the grave and three days later he rose from the dead, people that you and I know that are in the grave today, they're going to rise also. Praise the Lord. Because he defeated death, hell, and the grave, we have hope that one day we will rise with him. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says, If Christ be not risen from, be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. Amen. We believe the Lord rose from the dead. We believe the dead in Christ are going to rise also at the coming of the Lord. Amen. He's coming back. He's coming back. You know, there, was, there were several religious groups in Jesus' day. There were the Pharisees. There were the Sadducees, there were the Zealots, there were the scribes, all these different religious groups. But it was the Sadducees. They didn't believe in a resurrection. They did not believe in an afterlife. So when you read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the thing that set the Sadducees apart was the fact they didn't believe in a resurrection. They were sad, you see. They didn't believe in a hope. They didn't believe in a resurrection. But we have hope, don't we? We have hope. We're going to rise again. And, and just as Jesus' disciples, they personally witnessed the resurrected Jesus Christ. We're going to see him one day. I want to give you hope today. Before you leave tonight, anybody listening, before, before we're done tonight, I want to give you hope. We've got a blessed hope that the Lord's coming back. Praise the Lord. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. How many child, children of God do we have here tonight? Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's change coming. It's our blessed hope. Praise the Lord. And we not only have a blessed hope, but we have a purifying hope. If you look at the very next verse, this, I've got 1 John 3, 2 on the screen. If you look at the very next verse, verse number 3, this is what John said. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. We not only have a blessed hope, we have a purifying hope. Praise the Lord. 
That means if we have hope, if we're going to heaven, if we're planning on going to heaven, it ought to be a motivator for us. It ought to be a catalyst for us. There ought to be something prompting in us right now, in our spirit. I've got to live right. I've got to do right. The Lord's coming back. Every man that hath this hope, he purifies himself. He's getting ready for the Lord. He's, he's prepared. How do we prepare ourselves? How do we purify ourselves? We purify our minds. We purify our hearts and our motives, and we make sure we're right before the Lord. When somebody is an athlete and, and they're training to compete, they're looking forward to the day they're on the field or they're in the competition. An athlete will go through hours of training. They'll spend maybe on the Olympic level. An Olympic athlete will spend days upon days upon days and hours upon hours a day. They're swimming or they're doing their gymnastics or they're, or they're running their, their race and they are training for hours upon hours and days upon days because they are preparing for that time, that day when they step out onto the track or they step into the arena of competition. Because when they, when they get out there and they start competing, they don't want... They don't want to have anything that's going to hinder them. So they will, they will pay attention to everything that they eat. A serious athlete will pay attention to what they're putting in their body. And they're not going to eat a bunch of Snickers candy bars, even if Snickers is the official candy bar of the Olympics. They're not going to eat a lot of Snickers candy bars. They're going to, they're going to eat some, some, some right proteins and the right kind of carbs and they're going to pay close attention because they want their bodies to perform at optimum level and they're going to make sure they go to bed and they make sure they get plenty of rest because when it comes time for that day of competition they're going to make sure they are they are performing at their best and they're not going to have a bunch of sugar in their bodies that's going to cause them to break down and 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 run out of energy and they're going to make sure they've rested they're going to take all the steps so that nothing's hindering them as children of God, we're preparing. That's what we're doing here tonight. We're preparing. We're, we're purifying our hearts. We're purifying our minds. We're purifying ourselves because there is coming a day that the alarm's going to sound and the Lord's going to come back. And every man that has this hope, we're not just mindlessly aiming, aimlessly going about in this world. Every man that has this hope, we're, we're waiting. We're watching. We're making sure our hearts are right. We're making sure our lives are in order. And we're living holy and righteously and godly in this present world because we have a hope that goes beyond this world. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. He said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain... And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. That means they are under control. Temperance means self-control. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body, and I bring it into, unto subjection. Lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. See, we're running this race to win. See, I, 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 you know, sometimes I get stirred up as a pastor, and sometimes I get stirred up as a preacher, but somehow I think we need to take this thing seriously about living for God, about making heaven our home. We need to run this race to win it. 
and not just kind of just kind of jog aimlessly along, but we need to run this race like we're going to heaven. Praise the Lord. We need to fight to win, not just fighting, beating the air, but we need to fight the enemy. We need to fight like we're going to win this battle. In the same way that an athlete, he, does, he says no to wrong pursuits. In the same way an athlete says, I can't eat that. I can't be involved in that. The same way a child of God says, you know what, I'm going to run this race to win. I'm not going to get bogged down by the weights of this world. And I'm not going to get caught up in this sin or distracted by the cares of this life because I'm going to heaven. I'm running this race. Every man that has this hope purifieth himself. Praise God. We have a blessed hope. We have a purifying hope. We have a comforting hope. Paul said, comfort one another with these words. Amen. When we taught about prophecy a few weeks ago, we talked about the nature of prophecy. Prophecy gives us hope because we have a future. Our future is bright. Our future's positive. Some people say, I don't like prophecy. I don't want to listen to prophecy. I'm not interested in prophecy. Prophecy is what gives us hope. Because we know what's coming. We, know, we don't know all the details, but we know that we have a hope in the future. Paul said, if in this life only we have hope, we would be of all men most miserable. What a sad thing to think that, it's, that, that, that people just strive to uh, climb higher and achieve more in this life. And when they're all done, Solomon said it's vanity and vexation of spirit. What have, you, what have you achieved? What have you acclaimed? What have you gotten? If all you get out of this life is this life. So our hope is not about this life, but it is about what is to come. Jesus said in Matt, or excuse me, Luke 13, 24, strive to enter in. We don't talk about that kind of stuff. Too much these days. But strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter and shall not be able. We're good at making excuses. We're good at finding reasons why we can't, why we can't be faithful. We're good at finding all kinds of reasons why we're not going to be able to. But Jesus said, strive to enter in. And can I tell you something? And I know I feel like I'm preaching tonight. But can I tell you something that whatever it takes for, for you and I to get to heaven, it's going to be worth it. Whatever it takes, whatever I have to lay down. And people come up with excuses and people come up with the reason, well, I can't live that way or I don't want to live that way. I can't give that up in my Whatever it takes to go to heaven, it's going to be worth it. Because nobody, nobody that gets to heaven is going to be disappointed. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, oh, I regret making this decision. But I'm going to tell you, everybody that misses heaven, there's going to be, they are going to be full of regrets. And they're going to be full of remorse and thinking, why didn't I make the change? Why didn't I prepare? Why didn't I take it more seriously? But I'm going to heaven. Salvation is free, but it's going to cost you everything. Salvation, we, we, none of us can do anything to earn our salvation. But I'm going to tell you, if we go to heaven, it's going to cost everything. You're going to have to lay it all down on the line. You have to take up your cross every day. Lose your life for my sake, Jesus said. And you'll find it. And you'll find life. It's like the old song that says, it's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful, happy day. And Paul said, comfort one another with these words. We've got a comforting hope. You know, one of the, one of the things that sometimes we just miss over, 
we just kind of skip over when it comes to the coming of the Lord and the return of the Lord is the suddenness of this event. The suddenness of this event. How quick it's going to happen. I don't, know if, I don't know if suddenness is an actual word, but how quickly it's going to take place. You know, God, God never gets in a hurry. A lot of us, we do. We get in a hurry. You know, we're running behind and we're trying to catch up on things. God doesn't ever get in a hurry. But there are a lot of times God does things very quickly. Just very suddenly, God will act. In a, in a moment, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a, in a moment, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in a, in a moment, the NIV says, in a flash. I'm talking about the coming of the Lord. This is how fast it's going gonna, it's gonna to occur. In a, in a flash, the, the contemporary English version says, it will happen, of this verse it says, it will happen suddenly, quicker than the blink of an eye. I was, I was reading that, I was studying that, and I, and I found myself sitting in my chair, blinking. Quicker than the blink, I, I don't know if you're doing it now or not, but I tried to, I tried to speed up my blinking, and I had a hard time speeding it. I could slow it down, but I, I can't. The twinkling of an eye. How fast we can, that that's going to be. That's the speed. That's the speed of the return of the Lord. That 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 little arrow on your little chart there. In the blinking of an eye, the dead are going to come out of the grave. The people on the earth are going to rise. Just in the twinkling of an eye. That's, that's the speed of, the, our, of how fast our hope is going to return. But that is also how fast it's going to be. The speed of the despair and of the anguish of everybody that's lost. That's how fast it's going to come about. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ for the church will be so sudden that you if whoever you know you take a person who is the most organized in line, got everything laid out for days ahead. But if they're not ready when the coming of the Lord happens, there will be no time to repair to prepare. It will be that sudden. It will be that quick. That's why Peter and Paul both in the scripture, they said, it will be like a thief in the night. A thief in the night. When, when Jesus comes back, it will be like a thief in the night. Have you, have you ever had a thief break into your house? You ever had a thief come in and steal something out of your car? That thief didn't, that thief didn't send you a text message. It said, hey, I'm coming. I'm going to steal something out of your car. I'm going to break into your house. Shortly after we got married, we bought a, a house in the older part of Oklahoma City. And somebody broke into our house. We were gone for a couple of days. Somebody broke into our house. And they, they stole our, we didn't have hardly anything. We had a microwave, a vacuum cleaner, a clock, and a radio. And they took it all. They were disappointed. Very disappointed. But they didn't call us. And said, hey, while you're out of town, we're going to steal, break into your house and steal things. Because if we had known they were coming, we might have 
had somebody stay at the house while we were gone. Or we might have put some extra locks on the door so they couldn't get in, but, but they didn't tell us they were coming. And when we came home, we saw the back door busted open and, and we started noticing some, a few things gone. There was no announcement. There was no, it was just unexpected. and un, They were not invited. We did not invite them. Just unannounced they came. And as a thief in the night, and you know, when a, when, a, when a thief leaves, now think about this, when a thief leaves, they don't leave a lot of joy and excitement behind them. <laughs> we walked in the house, we didn't say, whoo, we get a new microwave. The radio's gone with that tape. They had a, I had a tape of the Hudspeth family in my tape player and it's gone. It was gone. I love that tape. We were we were just we felt violated. Somebody got in our house. It's not supposed to happen. When Jesus comes back, instant, unexpected, abrupt, very quickly, Jesus is coming back. And when he leaves with the church. There won't be joy and excitement here on the earth. Because the saddest people on the earth, you think about this with me, the saddest people are going to be the people that are on the earth. Be those people who had the opportunity to prepare for his coming, but they neglected to take advantage of that opportunity. They had the opportunity to prepare, but they didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Eternity is too long. Eternity is way too long to even entertain the thought of not being ready for the coming of the Lord. It's way too long to even think that it'll be all right if I miss the coming of the Lord. I've been asked by multiple people over the years about people who miss the rapture. Will they have another opportunity to be saved? If I miss this rapture, will there be another opportunity to be saved? If, if I miss this train, is there another train, a second train coming that I could catch? If I, if I don't want to get ready for the first coming of the Lord, am I going to have a second opportunity to get right with the Lord, to make things right? My short answer to that question is usually, no, I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus tells us way too many times, get ready now and watch for him right now. Jesus tells people way too many times, you need to pray right now and you need to get ready today. I, never, I have never found in the scripture, and I've read the Bible several times, but I don't find in the scripture where Jesus ever said, um, hey, why don't you hold off and catch the next ride to heaven? Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say, why don't, you, why don't you just take it easy now and live your own life the way you want to live it now and make your own decisions right now because, because after I come and get the church, it's going to get easier and you can, you can catch the second wave. Jesus doesn't say that, does he? Jesus doesn't say that, but he does say, 
watch and pray because I'm coming back. You need to be ready. Jesus does tell us in Matthew 25 about ten virgins and five were wise and, and five were foolish. And he said the five were foolish. They were foolish because they didn't prepare and didn't have oil for their vessels when the bridegroom returned. Jesus also said that the master gave talents to his servants and the master went away on a journey. And when the, when the Lord or the master of those servants returned, he said there was one of those servants who got scared and just didn't want to participate and didn't want to get involved. And so he took the talent that his Lord had given to him and he buried it in the earth and he hid it. And the master, the Lord of those servants, looked at him and said, you're a wicked and slothful servant. And he cast him in the outer darkness. I, I, know, I know tonight. I know tonight. I've read Revelation. I've, read, I've taught on it. I've And I've read Revelation chapter 7. In Revelation chapter 7, between the 6th and the 7th seal, there is this section of Scripture that talks about some saints that come out of great tribulation. They've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And and there are different people. That's prophetic. And you remember prophecy by nature. We don't have all the details. And people have tried to surmise and decide who are those saints who come out of tribulation. The gate their vocal band sings a song about These are they who came out of great tribulation. And people have tried to say, well, who are these saints that come out of the tribulation? And maybe I can be a part of those things. Maybe I can be a part of that group. Many people just believe that's a parenthetical part of the passage of Scripture. It's just an overview of of the whole tribulation period. That the church comes out during that, or at the beginning of that tribulation or halfway through that tribulation. There's many different ideas. But I'll tell you this. For anybody that's listening or anybody that's here today, that I would not hang my eternal destination. I would never hang my eternal destination on the prospect of being saved during the great tribulation. When I could prepare and I could be ready today. When I could get ready right now, when I have the freedom to worship the Lord and I have the liberty to live for God and I can prepare and I can get ready to live for God today. Jesus said, Matthew 24, 44, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Hey, the Lord's coming back. The Lord is coming back. And I want to be ready. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse number 50. This is the other passage in the New Testament that deals with the rapture of the church when Paul writes to this church 1 Corinthians 15 50 he said now this I say brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God neither doth corruption inherit incorruption behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump the trumpet shall sound the dead shall be raised incorruptible And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the the other passage where Paul talks about the rapture. When we read the other one, 
Paul said, there will be a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. First Corinthians, or excuse me, First Thessalonians 4.16 we read, there will be a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. And all three of those are important. All three of those are significant. And I don't know if all three of those things are going to happen at the same time or if it's all talking about the same thing or if they're going to be in succession one after another. We really don't know. But when you read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, Paul just says, At the last trump, the trumpet shall sound. The last trump, the trumpet's going to sound. The dead are going to be raised incorruptible, he said. Paul said in the other passage we read, the dead's going to rise first. We're going to be changed, he said, verse 53. Excuse me, verse 52. We shall be changed. And our flesh is going to go through this translation. Our bodies are going to go through this transformation. Our corruptible flesh is going to take on a new incorruptible body. This is one of these areas I wish I had more details. (laughs) Incorruption, immortality, because flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. That's what he said in verse 50. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So something's got to happen to to Derek's flesh. Something's got to change here, because this flesh and blood can't exist in the realm that's fixing to be revealed, in the kingdom of God. And so the Lord's going to sound the alarm. And bodies that have been dead in the grave for hundreds of years are going to come out of the grave. Don't you wonder what that's going to be like? Decomposed bodies. I'm not trying to be crude, but bodies that have been decomposed for years and years and years are going to come out of the grave. Different. Changed. In fact, Paul said in Philippians 3.20, he said, Our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Something special is going to happen. Something spectacular is going to unfold. Something something astounding is going to happen that day. And, and Paul said, in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, we know in part, and we prophesy in part. He said, we just know a little bit. I wish I could stand up here as your pastor today and tell you every little detail and unfold everything in the Scripture. I don't know. We know in part, so we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And then notice verse number 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. I want you to know a wonderful and a significant change is coming. Those weaknesses and those those that weariness you feel in your body, all that's going to be transformed. All of that's going to change. It's going to be completely different. This is why we need to go to heaven. This is why we need to make preparation. This is why we need to be looking for the change to come. Praise God. One more passage of Scripture here. 
Romans chapter 8, verse number 9. I'm just going to kind of jump through a few of these scriptures here. Romans chapter 8, verse number 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, if you don't have this underlined in your Bible, this is a good place to underline. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It is absolutely necessary that people have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. It is vital, it is essential that people have the gift of the Holy Ghost in them. To belong to the body, to be a part of the kingdom. Verse 10, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. See, this is why we have to have the Holy Ghost. This is why we preach the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not an added blessing. The Holy Ghost is our salvation. If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Again, if there is no Spirit of God dwelling in us, there is no change. There is no rapture. If, If the rapture occurs and we don't have the Holy Ghost... We're not going anywhere. Our feet are not coming off the ground. Skip on down, verse number 18. Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You talk about something spectacular. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. One version says the creation is waiting. Clue in right now. Everybody tune in on what the, what the word is saying right now. The creation is waiting for the children of God to be revealed. All the creation knows the Lord's coming. The creation knows they're waiting. That's what Paul is saying. Creation is waiting for the coming of the Lord, for the re- revelation of the church. Verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. See, our souls were redeemed when we went to the cross. Our souls were redeemed when we went to Calvary. But I'm talking about this event when our bodies are going to be redeemed. Our bodies are going to be redeemed at the rapture. Verse 24, but for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. We are in a waiting pattern right now. And we're waiting for our time to be revealed when Jesus comes back. We are waiting for the coming of the Lord. We are, we are anticipating. We are just, we are kind of in that waiting pattern. And if you look at, if you were able to catch a, a bird's eye view or a, a heavenly view of the earth, you would see people all over the earth, just scattered all over the earth. Just people of different kinds and different, uh, different places and different areas all over 
the world. There would be different people who come from different countries and different backgrounds just scattered all over the world, and, and they would just be here and there in different places. But something special is going to happen when the Lord comes back. When the Lord appears, suddenly, when the Lord arrives and He appears, something significant is going to happen because the Bible says He is going to descend. And when He appears, something special is going to happen in the children of God, the people of God, because they are going to come out of the grave and they are going to begin to rise to meet the Lord in the air. There's going to be something, there's going to be something in children of the children of God that's going to attract them to the Lord. They're going to be drawn to God. It's the Holy Ghost. That's, that's why we preach the Holy Ghost. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. You have to repent of your sins. You need to have your sins washed away, but you have to have the gift of the Holy Ghost because that is resurrection power. And when the Lord appears, the dead in Christ are going to rise. But people who don't have the Holy Ghost, they're going to remain. They're still going to be here. Say, Pastor, how do, how do I get ready? You repent. You repent. If you're watching or listening online, anybody here that needs to know this, you need to repent of your sins. That means changing directions. That is saying, I'm going to follow the Lord. God, forgive me of things I shouldn't be doing. Forgive me of things that I've, that I've, I've let creep into my life. You, you repent of those things and you leave them behind and you follow the Lord. You're baptized, washing away your sins. Fill with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And walk in righteousness and holiness and a relationship with the Lord. And when the, when the Lord comes back, the church is going to be revealed. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the I'm going. I'm going. And there is nothing that can happen in this world. There is nothing anybody can say to me. There is nothing anybody can do to me that's going to deter me at this point. My heart is set. My mind is made up. And I'm going to heaven. Anybody going with me? You going with me? Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand with me? We used to sing an old song. We're not going to sing it, Sister Ann. But we used to sing this old song. I am thinking of the rapture in our blessed home on high. When the redeemed are gathering in, how we'll raise that heavenly anthem in that city in the sky. When the redeemed are gathering in, when the redeemed are gathering in, washed like snow and free from all sin, how we'll shout. And how we'll sing when the redeemed are gathering in. Think about it. Think about it. The redeemed of the Lord. God, don't let me get distracted. God, don't let me get so weighted down by life that I miss your coming. God, don't let me get so deceived or sidetracked that I forget what it's all about. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Lift your hands with me. Would you praise the Lord? Would you give the Lord thanks for a hope? Would you praise the Lord for this great salvation? Jesus, we love you. We honor you today, O oh God.
Thank you, Lord, for the hope of your soon return, for a church, for a bride that has adorned itself, that has made itself ready. And, oh, God, I pray tonight for our hearts and our minds and our souls, oh, Lord, that we would be prepared and ready for that day is approaching, God. And I pray, oh, Lord, for our city. I pray for our families. I pray for those that have lost their way. I pray, oh, Lord, that they would turn to you, that, Lord, even as we...